We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always, or usually always, Colby Powell, fresh back from the uh, slopes uh, in Colorado. Colby, uh, for our listeners who aren't aware, you've been in and out of physical therapy ever since I've known you. You're like the oldest young guy I know. Uh, did you pick up any new knocks uh, on the ski slopes this last week? Uh- I did get some pretty gnarly whiplash on day one. Uh, <laughs> I got a little cocky uh, with some speed on, on an ungroomed slope coming down some moguls. And uh, yeah, I took a nice little tumble and roll and hit my head. And uh, so I was dealing with some whiplash. Today's actually the first day that my neck really feels like full flexibility back. Good to go. But uh, it was a fun trip. Appreciate Marshall for filling in. Y'all did a good show last week. We listened on our uh, 10 hour drive back from Colorado. So, uh, that was good stuff, but glad to be back. I, I won't be headed to the mountains for at least a few more weeks. So, uh, let's lock in and we can talk some OSU sports. Yeah. Uh, we had Marshall on that you mentioned Marshall Scott, the uh, owner of pistols firing blog. He did a great job breaking down all the ins and outs of the transfer portal. And again, there's the transfer portal tracker that he has up on PFB for folks that want to check that out. Now that signing day is, has come and gone. Uh, a lot of really good activity, Colby. I, you know, I talked to Marshall about it, the individual players, but I didn't want to get your thoughts since you've been gone. You know, you and I were were very critical of of Mike Gundy's seeming unwillingness to change and adapt with the times. And it appears that his quotes about not being a big transfer portal guy were, you know, complete BS because they had one of the best transfer portal halls of any program in the entire country. I think they were ranked in the top five in terms of transfer portal recruiting classes, we'll call them. Uh, what was your reaction to just how OSU really, I thought, did a very good job to fill a lot of needs and a lot and a lot of holes in the roster? Yeah, so just to clarify the numbers and the rankings, as of last week, at one point Oklahoma State was number one in the transfer rankings, according to On3. Uh, now they're sitting at 11th. So they've fallen a little bit, but still good. Seven uh, transfers coming in, 12 transfers going out for Oklahoma State. So more going out than coming in. But, I mean, that's part of it. You lose some guys that just weren't part of – what you were doing and you're going to bring in seven guys that you're hoping if you're bringing them in in the portal you're hoping that they can kind of step in and 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 be guys who see the field right away so it's almost one of those things Carson I, I think Mike Gundy is like the rest of us I think he really doesn't like the portal whenever he's losing guys and I think he loves it whenever he's bringing guys in and isn't that kind of how we all are I hate the portal whenever I see Jabbar Muhammad hop in or Braylon Presley hop in. I love the portal whenever I see Wright, the linebacker from Tulsa coming over uh, or the offensive lineman. I think Dalton Cooper is his name from Texas State, who looks like he could be an absolute stud. I mean, the, the reviews uh, on him are just absolutely through. Yes. Um, so just overjoyed uh, to have him coming in. But uh, I don't know. It's it's one of those things, Carson. Mike Gundy, when Oklahoma State has a a six or seven win season, he gets a little, <laughs> I don't know, contentious. Is contentious even the right word at his press conferences? De- in defiant. I think defiant is is kind of the word. Defiant, maybe it, it maybe that's the word. But um, yeah, I think I think it kind of boils down to he's like the rest of us. The portal sucks whenever guys are going out, but when they're coming in, hey. Let's do it. Also, I do want to point one thing out to all the fan bases who are like really upset because these programs like USC and Texas A&M and, and Oregon and uh, just these other places with all this money can come in and poach schools like Oklahoma State. It's very much an ecosystem where bigger fish eat smaller fish. I mean, 
We just took two of Tulsa's linebackers. So it goes both ways. Oklahoma State is poaching from smaller schools, just like Oklahoma State is being poached by bigger schools. It's just kind of the new ecosystem of college football. Uh, and as we all get used to it, Carson, I think some takes are going to fly. And then we're all going to look back and say, well, I don't know. Maybe that wasn't exactly where we needed to land on that. But uh, as we get new information, it is okay to evolve our takes and our opinions on the portal uh, and, and on how Oklahoma State's handling these things. Yeah, I think that's very well said. And and Mike, it's it's very interesting. And I, I'd kind of forgotten about some of these examples. And and Jenny Carlson wrote a really good article just about how, you know, the title of it is Mike Gundy hates talking about the transfer portal, but he doesn't mind using it, which, you know, illustrates the things you just you just talked about. And I've always kind of brought this up, and I think Jenny did a really good job laying it out that Mike's always kind of been an innovator. I had totally forgotten Colby, and in her article, she details that OSU was the first team to hold up those goofy boards with random pictures on them. They were the first ones to do that back when they first introduced the no huddle with Zach Robinson and those guys. And it kind of goes down the list, but I kind of forgot this too. Tyler Patman was one of the first you know, graduate transfers all the way back in 2013. So Mike's been using the transfer portal, quote unquote, since 2013. And it's nothing new in terms of how he's brought players in. And I, I think it's a really solid way because we'll get to the recruiting class, Colby, that let's face it, as long as Mike Gundy's the, the head coach, they're never they're just not going to have a top 25 to even top 15 recruiting class. It's just not how he does it. His results speak for itself. That's not changing. But I think just his his willingness to be less of a getting with the sign of the times, but being more of an innovator uh, has been on full display. And I, I think look no further than the way he really shored up a lot of needs in, in the transfer portal. I mean, and again, OSU is never going to have a top 25 recruiting class in my gun. And they're never going to pay gigantic dollars for guys like Jabbar Muhammad and Mason Cobb who are going out West. But Colby, I, I, I think you got to tip your cap to him that, you know, he, he has adapted and he has, you know, done really well in the, in the transfer portal. I mean, you mentioned the linebacker from Tulsa, perfect fill in for Mason Cobb. Uh, the Jabbar Muhammad loss hurts, and I want to talk to you about that. But Mike, once again, proving to be somewhat of an innovator because, you know, other schools like in Oklahoma didn't really bring in as much as, as many players in the, in the transfer portal. I think that's really going to help Oklahoma State's win-loss record next year. I really do. Yeah, I do too, because, I mean, if you don't fill some of those roles the way they have, next year looks a little suspect. You feel a little bit better after you get some guys in who you think can contribute right away because, uh, you know, we'll talk about the, the 2023 class and early signing day here in a little bit. But, you know, those young guys, you just can't always expect them to come in and produce. You're bringing a guy in who's 21 years old. I expect him to come in and produce. I mean, that's a guy who can take the field next season uh, and be an impact player. I do want to talk Jabbar Muhammad with yes. you, Arthur. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of weird. I like to watch games once where I watch the ball and then a second time where I watch other things. And my favorite thing to watch whenever I'm not watching the ball is corners on receivers. I just, I, I think that playing corner to me is maybe the most difficult position in football outside of quarterback because all the rules are designed for the receivers. You can't touch them. You can't grab them. You can't do anything with them. They all know where they're going. You have no idea where they're going. It, it is to me a very difficult position to play. And I love watching back and watching the corners run. It's the reason I like watching games in the stadium because in the stadium, I can watch Jabbar Muhammad just stick himself to a receiver. Carson, he was a really good corner. He was to me personally, the way I watch games, he was one of the most fun players for me to watch. 
I loved watching him just trail receivers around the field. They were able to use him at different positions this year whenever they had some injuries. Uh, that's a tough one. Found out this morning that he's headed to Washington, um, which, I mean, I don't know, seems super random, but I don't know Jabbar Muhammad personally. I don't know what ties he had to the region or what made him want to go to Washington, but, uh, you know, w- wish him all the best. He didn't go to a rival or anything like that. So uh, no ill intent or no, no ill feelings or ill wishes for him moving forward. But uh, that one hurts. Carson for, for Oklahoma State defensively but for me as a fan that guy was fun to watch and and I think that he has the potential to be really special uh at Washington and then who knows what what happens at the next level uh it's hard to predict how guys are going to translate but uh yeah the Jubar Muhammad one that kind of hurt me because that was a late portal edition uh and I've really enjoyed watching him play I think he was my player to watch in August for Oklahoma State I think he lived up to those expectations and I was disappointed to see him go yeah it's a very very, very strange pick for me. I mean, if he had gone to, you know, being a DeSoto kid any school in Texas, I think that makes a ton of sense. Now, in the in the world of NIL, it appears uh, the story I read, Washington really has focused on the state of Texas for recruiting and the transfer portal. So clearly they targeted him and, and went and got him. What what that entails, I'm not sure. But I think a lot of people who follow Oklahoma State football were pretty crushed about Mason Cobb leaving Oklahoma State. And I, and I certainly understand why. He was a solid player, uh, good linebacker. I thought he did admirably filling in for Malcolm Rodriguez. Jabbar Muhammad's a bigger loss, in my opinion. I mean, he is second team All-Big 12, had a chance to be a – had a legit chance to be an All-American next year, maybe first team on on some of those teams. That's how big a loss I feel this is. And – I think he's the biggest loss besides Spencer Sanders. I really do. That, that, that's how much I think of him. I know you were you were on him early, like you mentioned, Colby. I think he did a really good job. Uh, we watched him in the Fiesta Bowl kind of break out towards the latter half of last year. And there's just no way around it, Colby. It's, it's a huge loss. But that's why I feel like getting guys like the Ladarius Webb kid is, is big. He was probably the number he, – he led the junior college ranks in interceptions uh, last year. That's a kid that's ready to play right now. But will he be as good as Jabbar Muhammad? I think the chances of that are pretty slim. We'll see. I mean, we'll have to, we don't know anything about these guys and how they're going to play next year. I'm just saying that I agree with you, man. It's a it's a big loss, and it's just um, it's one that I think come Saturdays next year, Colby, uh, there'll be a, a big player or two given up on on his side of the field that he would have been, and we, we, we're going to be sitting there going, man, sure would have been nice if they could have hung on to, to Jabbar Muhammad. Yeah, and and I agree that it's a bigger loss because to me, corner is a tougher position to replace elite talent. Now, it's really hard to replace the Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harpers of the world. Mason Cobb was a really good player, and I am am bummed that he left. But at linebacker, I just – Again, I I said it earlier. I think corner, aside from quarterback, is the hardest position to play in football because of the way the rules set up. Everything is in favor of the receiver. And when you get a guy who's really good on the edge and you can just leave him out there, man, it makes other guys' lives so much easier. Look what they did with Christian Holmes. Uh, I mean, even back in the day, Justin Gilbert, I know he, he flopped in the NFL, but man, he was a really good college corner. You could leave him out there. And Oklahoma State has really kind of had some of those guys. They've had good guys uh, on the edge, at least one corner, it seems like, on most of these defenses that you can rely on to be out there and be the guy. Uh, and then, of course, obviously, the 21 defense, you had a couple of them that you could rely on. But uh, yeah, I think it's a big loss because I think that that position is a tough position to play. And I think it's a tough position uh, to just fill in. So uh, getting Lardarius Webb helps. I, I'm glad that he's coming in. Um, and it does seem like he's ready to play immediately. I, I do want to 
uh, give him a chance to, to be as good as Jabbar Muhammad maybe was or would have been this year. But I'll, I'll certainly be watching uh, his career at Washington a little bit. Um, totally just different rabbit hole here, but I really hope Amazon gets the Pac-12's rights so they can move their kick times up so that I can watch more Pac-12 football because I don't watch very much of it at midnight, but I would watch a bunch of it at like 8 p.m. So I really hope Amazon gets their rights and they can move their kick times up since they'll be streaming everything. Uh, but that's a totally different rabbit hole. But uh, yeah, I'll be watching a little Jabbar Muhammad just to see how he progresses. Uh, but hopefully Lord Darius Webb can come in uh, and fill that role. Yeah, we'll see. I, I remember... Uh... Brendan Radley Hiles went to Washington. So they they they've hit up the state of Oklahoma now twice in the last couple of years for defensive backs. Jabbar Muhammad could run circles around around Buki. Don't get don't get it twisted. I was fixing to say one of those fan bases was happy to see their corner go. The other one's but <laughs> Well, USC's got about twenty two Bukis on, on the field each Saturday now with, with Lincoln running that show. But that's well, but they now have I don't know if you saw, USC has exactly one defender now who can tackle. That would be Mr. Mason Cobb himself. I know. I, I wanted to talk to you about that. What were your thoughts on him going to USC? And want to be like just hilarious, you know? Because Colby, that that USC Utah game when Utah like just demoralized and physically embarrassed USC to where they were just dragging dudes into the end zone left and right. Won't it be amazing if like Mason Cobb goes into that conference and has like 150 tackles and just wreaks havoc on defense? Well, and I think that he might. I think it's a, a pretty good situation for him in the Pac-12. Uh, like you said, that's a bad defense. So he's filling in for a team. He's going to plug and play immediately. I assume that he's going to be a, a 13, 14-game starter uh, for USC, assuming no injuries. And that is a school that is in the the limelight week in and week out because of the name, because of Lincoln Riley, because of Caleb Williams, that is a program that's going to be in the limelight week in and week out. There's going to be a lot of eyeballs on him and on a defense that was so soft a year ago in USC. If that defense is 15, 20% better, a lot of people are going to look at a guy like Mason Cobb and say, Hey, you bring in a good hard nosed linebacker who can tackle that makes all the difference in the world. I do find the kind of newfound USC Utah rivalry to be pretty interesting. Cause I think that is developing into a pretty good rivalry and Mason Cobb is from Utah. I imagine that Utah would have wanted him. Uh, I don't know if they recruited him out of high school or out of the portal, but I can't imagine that they didn't. An in-state kid like that from Utah, I feel like doesn't pop up every day. They're not known uh, for their high school football. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be very curious to see uh, what the USC-Utah games look like next year and what that defense looks like next year. Because if he's part of elevating that, uh, I think that could shine down very well on him as far as future prospects go. Yeah, I, I certainly agree. And – you know, Trace Ford is still out there. He took a visit to USC along with Mason Cobb. I think they visited there uh, together. Uh, I am curious to see what Trace Ford ends up deciding because I think it was between Oklahoma and USC. I think a big part of him, Colby, and this is just me speculating, like <laughs> just the fact that he posted like a Instagram story of Owen Field and Norman caused this just Twitter barrage of fire being thrown his way <laughs> part of me wonders if he wants to deal with that and also i think more so you know when you play football with these guys they really do become your brothers in a lot of ways i i do wonder if trace ford wants to play against his his former team uh next year wearing wearing ou colors despite it in addition to all of the the heat he will get because we've never seen the kind of kevin durant level heat he would be getting from from oklahoma state fans 
Yeah, we haven't seen a transfer from OU to OSU. Um, certainly not in recent memory and certainly not in the portal area era. And if it were to be an impact player like Trace Ford, that would be a, a big, big deal. Uh, and everybody who listens to this podcast knows I'm very pro player. Uh, I'm always very much, I'm, I'm going to root for this guy when he leaves. Look, the one exception is OU. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to get on Twitter and trash him, tell him he's a bum, scumbag, and, and, and I'm rooting for him to fail the rest of his life. But I'm certainly not going to be rooting for him. If he goes down there and, and puts on crimson and cream, uh, I would be happy to see him go to USC considering the alternatives. Uh, I was happy to see Mason Cobb go to USC because the alternative was A&M. Uh, and I really just didn't want to see him go to A&M. I just, uh, I, I have such disdain for that program, for their fan base. I just, I, I really hate everything about Texas A&M. So uh, USC was certainly the lesser of two evils there. And it is with Trace Ford uh, as well. Really hope that that's where he winds up uh, because I just, it would be really hard to stomach watching him play for Oklahoma because I've said it when he is healthy, he hadn't been healthy a lot lately. And I think people are forgetting just how good of a player he is. He is so, so good coming around the edge, speed, strength. He, he just, he has the moves, you know, he can put moves on offensive tackles that they're not prepared for. Uh, I do not want to see him in Norman in any way, shape or form. You take a visit. That's one thing. Uh, you're not on my list. For, for taking a visit, but if he goes to OU, no, that I will have rooted for Trace Ford for the last time if he ends up going to OU. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, some people pulled up his quotes from um, back when. Do you remember, when, like, when, you know, OU has that just absolutely trash tradition of when the field goal or extra point goes in the stands, they they literally throw it over the, out of the stadium, which yeah. I think it's- is – it's it ranks a notch below the home of the Sooners during the national anthem for me in terms of the most uh, trash traditions that school has, but it's right, right there. And OSU's ball boy was literally assaulted. Their equipment manager that was up there trying to get the football to his job was assaulted. And Trace Ford basically called OU a trash university with trash human beings. And now he's entertaining the idea of playing for them. So that, <laughs> that's, that's interesting to me, but I think that got pulled up and he was like, you know what? I don't know if I want this and if I want this smoke, but we'll, we'll see. He might, I mean, again, I, I wouldn't fault trace Ford. He's got to do what's best for him. If I use the one offering the most money for a guy who's, who suffered the injuries he has, I would not fault him, but he has to know, you know, I think Brock Martin came to his defense on Twitter this week and said, you know, Trace Ford's bringing out true colors and fans and all that. And I was like, guys, I stayed out of it. But in my mind, I was like, guys, like, this is how college sports works. Like, I'm not I'm not condoning any, you know, adults acting like children on social media or anything. But, like, you got to know, like, you're going to get some negative commentary coming your way if you go from Oklahoma State to Oklahoma. Like, that – you have to know that comes with the territory. Now, is it all going to be above board? No. Is, is some of it disgusting? Of course. But vitriol will follow you if you do that. And you, and you have to know that. Just like just like Kevin Durant knew that when he picked Golden State. He knew. <laughs> he just didn't care. And uh, yeah, I think even he was shocked by the level of vitriol he got. So that's all I had to say about that. Um, we are seeing Colby some Big 12 transfers within the conference uh dominic richardson announced today uh that he's going to baylor which i get that he had some big games in waco that was my first thought colby but you look at baylor's depth chart they are loaded at running back i mean they've got the richard reese kid who was sensational this year they got bryson washington and likely another year of craig williams the guy they called squirrel that ran all over the sooners those are three like legit running backs it seems to me he's kind of signed up for another you know, platoon of, of running backs to compete with. 
Yeah, the depth chart reason is why I was a little surprised that he went to Baylor. The running style, I think, suits him incredibly well. The way, I mean, they line up under center a lot, uh, a lot of halfback toss stuff, a lot of power stuff. Uh, I, I think that the style fits Dominic Richardson incredibly well. And I would imagine, I mean, look, the, at this point in his college career, if he's going down there, I would imagine they told him, look, you're going to be, a, you're going to touch the ball. You are going to get carries. Um, man, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen in that running back room in Waco. So uh, I was a little surprised. I, I thought maybe we would see him take a more, I don't want to call it random, but Jabbar Muhammad to Washington feels random, right? And I thought we might see Dom go somewhere random. I don't know, Virginia, Indiana, somewhere. I, I don't know. I just, I didn't think it was going to be in conference. Uh, and just because of the running back room already in Waco, I, I didn't think it was going to be Baylor. But from a style fit, I think the style absolutely works. Uh, like you said, he's had some big games down there. So uh, I don't know. I, I think that whether it ends up being a good decision depends on how much usage he actually gets, because if he can win that job and be RB one in Waco, then I think it's a home run spot for him to land. But if he doesn't win the job or if he's just kind of splitting carries and, and just ends up being another guy uh, shuffling through with seven, eight touches a game, then I, I think it might not end up working out as well as he wants. So I think time's going to tell on that one uh, to see whether he can really be an, an alpha RB1 uh, in Baylor's system. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm happy for Dom. I think clearly the writing was on the wall that Ollie Gordon was going to be the guy moving forward, and that's why he decided to transfer. I just, I don't know. It's a weird fit for me. I, I, I'm with you, though. I, I do think Baylor's offense suits him much better than what Oklahoma State wants to do, and maybe that's what they said. Maybe they didn't tell him that, you know, Ollie Gordon's our guy. They're just saying, you know what, you're you're just you're not an exact fit for what we want to do offensively. Uh, so let's let's move on to the recruiting class, Colby. Once again, Oklahoma State ranked in around, depending on the the site you look at, they're in like the fifty range, fifties, mid fifties. I know, Colby, you had some interesting statistics you wanted to bring up, but just overall, I guess for me, Colby, it's just it's the same old song and dance. You just you, I, I just kind of nod my head and go, "Yep, yeah, they're they're ranked outside the top twenty five." Uh, a little lower than normal considering the transfer portal, but um, it's more the same. And I'm sure some of these guys will end up being all big 12 type performers. Cause that's what Mike Gundy does. But, but more than anything, Colby, I think the, the, what I really wanted to touch on was being able to keep Zane Flores, I think was absolutely massive. The quarterback from Nebraska. I know he plays not in the biggest class in Nebraska. The competition could be criticized, but I, I mentioned this with Marshall Colby, the, the people that cover high school football in Nebraska, say that Zane Flores is the best quarterback in like the history of the, the state. And Mike Gunny talked a lot about how much he's improved his mobility. He's really excited about that. He's elite 11 type kid. I think uh, they've done it again, recruiting a, a, a Mason Rudolph guy. I don't, you know, he was out of like sec country kind of slipped through the fingers of all those big programs out there. I think the big 10 schools have let another stud quarterback kind of slip through their grasp to Oklahoma state. I think you got to give Mike Gundy and Tim Rattay and those guys a, a ton of credit because he's, he's pretty much the headliner, I, I feel like, of this class. Yeah, he is. And when Matt Rule got that job in Nebraska, uh, they wanted Zane Flores. And, you know, you have a coaching change like that, that's a recruit you absolutely could lose. Uh, that's that's big time to hang on to Zane Flores because I, I none of us, I was going to say I, none of us right now, including Mike Gundy, Casey Dunn, whoever, really know who the future is at the quarterback position for Oklahoma State. It might be Garrett Rangel. It might not be Garrett Rangel. It, it might be the transfer from Virginia, but I don't know. I looked at some of his numbers, some of his highlights. 
kind of looks like just a guy. Uh, getting Zane Flores is big because he does have the high ceiling, and that's what you want. Bring in quarterbacks with high ceilings. You hope that they hit, that they figure it out, uh, and that they can come in and be productive. So the numbers that I wanted to look at, so on 247, I always use 247 uh, and their rankings. You said Oklahoma State's a little lower than usual this year. They are a little lower than usual this year. I'm showing OSU at 63 right now on 247. One spot behind Virginia, just ahead of Memphis. Uh, Two spots ahead of Colorado State, for reference. Now, again, you're bringing seven kids in in the portal, so judge it how you will. The overall rankings, I'm less interested in. What I'm interested in is taking the conference, the teams you're going to be competing against to win conference championships. Because to me, I, I don't view Oklahoma State as a competitor with Georgia and Ohio State and, and, and those schools and Alabama. Oklahoma State's competing with the other schools in the Big 12. So I took the new look Big 12, no OU in Texas, but I added in uh, Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, and uh, BYU. And I took the average rating of the players that they have committed. So if you rank these schools by average, TCU is out in front by a full point. TCU got 10 four-stars. Their class is phenomenal. Below that, you work your way down by average, Carson. I'm just going to rapid fire through these. TCU, Texas Tech, Cincinnati, Baylor, UCF, West Virginia, Iowa State, Kansas State, Houston, Oklahoma State, Kansas, BYU. Oklahoma State one one-hundredth of a point in average ahead of Kansas. Also, I just wanted to look. I'm like, who in the new conference is getting more high-end talent right now? So I jotted down the number of four stars that each team has as well. Again, TCU miles ahead of the rest of the conference. Ten four-stars for TCU. Next highest, Carson, and this really surprised me, was Texas Tech with four Texas Tech also ranked second in the averages uh, for the classes. They were the second highest ranked on 247 of the New Look Big 12. Other than that, nobody else in the conference has more than two four-stars. There's five schools with two. But, Carson, there are two schools in the Big 12 who did not sign, or who, pardon me, who have not signed a four-star in the 2023 class. Those two schools are Oklahoma State and Kansas, who, like I said, are separated by one one one-hundredth of a point when you look at the averages for these two classes. So, Again, recruiting has never been the lifeblood of Oklahoma State's program. Recruiting is always average. Results are always above average. Not always above average, but normally above average under Mike Gundy. Uh, And again, Carson, this is a a well below average recruiting class. It would rank 10th in the New Look Big 12 by average uh, and one of only two schools in the Big 12 to not capture a four-star. So portal, really good. 2023 class, kind of more of the same. Yeah, oof. Those, those numbers you just read out are pretty startling. I mean, you never want to be compared to Kansas and anything. Uh, apologies to Lance Leopold, but um, it's just – it's not good enough, right, Colby? Like, look, people can – I think people are very staunch in what they believe on this. Some people just don't care and Mike Gundy wins. Other people like myself and Kyle Porter over the years just think that Oklahoma State is in a position now – it's not – 1995 anymore it's not 1997 in a rusty old stadium with nothing to offer and and look i know nil now is a a whole nother wrinkle that oklahoma state frankly can't compete with the big boys on and maybe colby maybe when mike gundy's not no longer the head coach and they got some young hungry recruiter in here and maybe he'll recruit the 35th best class or you know to to throw out a random number that that mike's class is usually finished maybe maybe he will too maybe that's just what oklahoma state is capable of 
I refuse to believe that. I think Oklahoma State's evolved to the point where, especially the way Mike Gunny's built it up, based on their, you know, all the credentials we talk about so often, it's not asking a ton to finish with a top 25 recruiting class when you're top 10 and wins, top 15 program nationally. I just, I know they're not going to compete with the Blue Bloods, Colby. I do, in terms of budgets and all of those things. But I'm sorry, even with the transfer portal factored in, recruiting in the 50s is unacceptable. And we, we've gone over it. Their, their, their final five games over the last 10 years, they, they peter out most years, almost all of them. And why is that? Well, they get the Zane Flores of the world, the Mason Rudolphs in this, to, to use the analogy. They don't get enough Emmanuel Ogbas. <laughs> and they certainly don't get enough depth to cover for the Emmanuel Ogbas. And that, that to me, lie, is where the problem is with this program seemingly not being able to overcome injuries year in and year out. No, you're absolutely right. And Carson, it's, it's, I think we need to reprogram our brains as we head into the new look big 12, because as the conference realignment was happening, Oklahoma state was peaking, right? The 2021 team, historically great defense offense, really picked it up late in the season. You win the Fiesta bowl. Everything came together for that season as conferences were realigning. So the Oklahoma state fan base, myself, you, we all sat here and we said, okay, OU and Texas leave. Oklahoma State has to be the big dog in the new Big 12. You've got to be the program. And Carson, I the more I look at it, 2021 was the outlier over the last five seasons. 2011 was a little bit of an outlier through there. Now, you had several 10-win seasons with Mason and stuff like that. I do think that Oklahoma State will continue to contend for conference championships in the new look Big 12. But Carson, I think I've shifted my tune a little bit. I, I don't think that Oklahoma State consistently brings in a high enough level of talent to be the big dog in the new Big 12. Now, if you can still win conference championships every several years and you can still go to the playoff every several years once it expands to 12, Oklahoma State's football program is still going to have success along the way. But I think when everything went right in 21, I had convinced myself, okay, this is what Oklahoma State can do year in, year out, every single year. And I just don't know. It's a really good program, Carson. But when you're 10th out of the 12 in recruiting, you're not bringing in any four stars. I just don't know. I, I don't know that the high enough level talent is going to be there. TCU is getting better every year. Baylor's getting better every year under Aranda. Uh, I mean, those teams are way ahead of Oklahoma State right now in recruiting. Texas Tech absolutely just kicked ass on the recruiting trail this year. I don't know how Tech pulled in such a good class. UC Joey McGuire. Joey McGuire. UCF has the Florida talent down there. You look at the averages for the 23 class. Cincinnati uh, is, is way ahead of Oklahoma State. Two full percentage points on average uh, whenever you look at the class. It's just, I, I don't know, Carson. I, I think that Oklahoma State will still be a, a regular contender in the new look Big 12, but I, I don't think we're looking at a scenario in three, four, five years where it's Oklahoma State and maybe one or two other teams and then the rest of the conference. I think the Big 12 is just going to be very muddy waters that a lot of teams cannibalize each other, beat the hell out of each other. And then I think there are going to be different teams like this year's TCU pop up every year where in 2025, maybe it's Baylor. And then in 26, it's Oklahoma State. 27, it's TCU. 28, it's Cincinnati. 29, it's UCF. I really think we could be looking at a conference that's going to have a ton of parity with no schools being able to pull away from the others. 
And a year or two ago, maybe I thought Oklahoma State would have done that, but uh, I think we're all going to have to be okay with Oklahoma State being one of the 12 instead of the one of the 12. I think you nailed it. I, I do think last year was the outlier, just going up on what Oklahoma State's done the last five, six years. And to further prove that, I think you're totally right in that the last three years, there's been six different teams playing the um, Big 12 championship game. You had Oklahoma and Iowa State in 2020. You had Oklahoma State and Baylor. And you had TCU and Kansas State. I think that's what it's going to be moving forward. I think you, I think you're dead on. And I'm with you. I was, I was right there with you. And I just, I think, with how well they finished the year in the Fiesta Bowl, you know, everyone was fired up. We got a logo too. It's on our damn intro of our podcast. We were all fired up. But if you just take a step back and look at what OSU has been the last five, six years, it's way closer to those you know, heart of Dallas bowl years. And um, it's, it's way further removed from the 2011 type teams and the 2013 type teams uh, than it is, you know, some of those more average teams. And I, I think the recruiting is, is what you have to circle because Mike Gunny's a great coach. And I think he'll, he'll win a lot of games just by simply uh, his, from his coaching standpoint, his schemes and and the fact that he just, he just wins. <laughs> it doesn't matter what his recruiting classes are ranked. So I, I think OSU will be up there, Colby, but I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't see them, you know, ruling this conference by any means. And I, I'm just, I'm really curious to see what this program starts to look like when, when Mike Gundy does retire and, and move on. Cause, cause right now it's a complete unknown and, and let's face it, that unknown can be scary. I mean, look at what Nebraska has been the last gosh, 20, 15 years, whatever it's been since they got rid of Pelini, they were still respectable. Uh, just, just look at um, what can happen to, you know, some of the blue bloods around the country when they make a coaching change. So that's certainly worth, worth monitoring, but um, anyone else in this recruiting class get you fired up again? I think Flores is, is the real deal. Uh, I'm with you on the Dalton Cooper kid and the transfer portal, but, but anyone else in the uh, actual recruiting class uh, stick out to you or you ready to move on to uh, bullets and BBs? Uh, yeah, in the actual class, obviously, we talked about Zane Flores, which is a, a big name in there. Second highest rated recruit in this class is Cameron Hurd, wide receiver out of Houston, Texas. Oklahoma State, Carson, they've had a ton of success going into Texas, specifically the Houston area. Oklahoma State has recruited that area incredibly well, uh, and he's rated 87.94 as, as a three-star Oklahoma State's had a ton of success with those guys at that position specifically. So wide receiver is one area where I just I don't worry about Oklahoma State because they find guys who can come in uh, at wide receiver. You get a defensive lineman, Jaden Foreman, who's an in-state kid from Dell City. It's always good to have the in-state kids coming in. Uh, so that's obviously a good one. Scrolling down through here. I thought there was another in-state kid. I think I'm missing it uh, on my list. Oh, Jacoby Sanders. Yeah. Big kid, uh, 6'3", 305 is what he's listed at right now. And uh, Mike Gundy talked about him in his press conference yesterday. He said that he's pretty much grown up at his house. Obviously, he's played football with Mike Gundy's sons in Stillwater. Uh, and he, he's he got a chance to be a player. He's got the size. Now, obviously, he's, he's a little raw, probably going to have to develop. Uh, but that's another guy. Anytime you can get somebody from Stillwater who has, has – been around the head coach uh pretty much for his upbringing that's i think a good thing so uh hopefully he pans out because i think it'd be a really fun uh just cool success story to have a kid from stillwater grew up around gundy grew up at his house hanging out with his kids uh if he were to go to stillwater and thrive and have success i think that'd be big time so jacoby sanders is another guy that i'll be keeping an eye on what if i told you i was really excited about a two-star oh i would be intrigued hit me please let it be the punter no, it, it's not the Aussie punter, which I do think that's 
I do think that's an, I mentioned Mike Gundy's innovation earlier. There was a really good article about the, the Hudson Cock kid, the kid that they've recruited from the same academy that Tom Hutton was from. Like Mike Gundy forged a relationship with this punting academy in Australia like years ago. Like he saw this wave coming. It's just, again, Mike's sly like a fox. He kind of plays this, this character sometimes in press conferences, but these are like, you know, legit punting prospects. You don't have to worry about, you know, obviously like flying to New Jersey to recruit a punter. You just, you know, you, you come through the academy, you know, he treat you well at Oklahoma State. Tom Hutton can vouch for that. Cool. Um, but no, it's it's not him. It's it's the Eamon Iman Oates, the defensive tackle from NEO up in Miami. Yeah. 6-3-305 defensive tackle. And I, I loved what Mike Gundy said. He goes, we just don't get guys that weigh 300 pounds to play D-line for us. We, we just normally just don't get those guys. And uh, NEO produces, you know, obviously a, a bunch of – NEO must have been really good this year, Cole, because they got a few that went to Oklahoma and other places. They must have been awesome again because they, they were amazing when I was coming through college, and they must be good again. But I'm excited about him. He was a late addition. But just anytime you can get a 300-pounder to play D-tackle, who's also 6'3", I, I just – just plug them in there and clog some lanes up. I, I like that a lot for a, I normally don't get fired up about two stars, Colby, but that's the type of prospect that Oklahoma state simply just does not get. Yeah, no, the size there is what gets you fired up. Right. And, and Mike Gundy talked uh, yesterday too, about the safety Taiwan Ray, who's coming in uh six, three, one eighty. I mean, six, three safety. That's, that's good size. That's good length. Uh, that just the the measurables kind of remind me of a Trey Flowers, who, by the way, Trey Flowers still balling in the NFL. is playing for Cincinnati now. Picked off Tom Brady last week. That's a nice little souvenir to put up on your shelf. Uh, one other guy, Carson, that I did want to mention, just we haven't talked about him. He is the highest rated player, according to 247, in the transfer portal coming in. That's Dejon Stribling, uh, a receiver coming from Washington State. Obviously, Oklahoma State's fished in that pond before and had some success uh, up there in Pullman. Not 91 overall rated four-star coming in in the portal. Uh, he was 82 and a three-star coming out of high school. So he he has improved, uh, maybe a little bit of a late bloomer. And again, that's a position Oklahoma State does well at. So I expect him to come in uh, and we could see him on the field next year. There's going to be a lot of talent at that receiver position for Oklahoma State. Yep, that's a good one. Uh, he, he looks, he's got the size and the, you know, what, what you look for in a receiver. So we'll see. Again, I, I thought they did, they did it okay in the recruiting class. You could always... I think they could always do better, but um, bowl game is rapidly approaching. Let's get to uh, – before we get to Bullets and BBs, Colby, real quick, are, are you surprised we haven't heard where Spencer Sanders is going yet? Uh, a little bit. I don't know if he's waiting for some other quarterback dominoes to fall. Uh, you know, I saw where Bo Nix is coming back for a 19th season of college football, so oh, I guess gosh. that takes my organ out. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm a little surprised, but it's one of those things. That's a really big domino that I'm waiting to see where it falls because – Spencer's a guy that, like, I mean, I legitimately want to watch his games next year. Like, I want to watch him, see what he looks like in a different – just out of a, a sheer curiosity. Like, I like him. I want to root for him. But also just out of a sheer curiosity as to what he looks like in a different system. Uh, you know, is he playing behind a good O-line? Is he not? What are his skill players like? I, I just – I think it will be a good litmus test to evaluate, okay, did they maximize his, his talent in Stillwater? Did they not? Uh, so, yeah, I've very much been on the edge of my seat for several weeks now, waiting to see where Spencer Sanders is going, uh, and still nothing. So, I don't know. They've, they've got a while, don't they, to decide? Yeah, they got a while. I mean, shoot, spots are filling up. I saw the Graham Mertz kid that transferred from Wisconsin is going to Florida, which uh, I think – What's that? Poor Florida. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know if I would want a, a Wisconsin quarterback on my roster either, but I think Spencer Sanders, I think Florida was like the betting favorite in Vegas, at least when the, the numbers came out. I think them in like Tennessee, I think were the two, the two top ones. My money personally, just on a hunch is still Penn state. Uh, they still need a quarterback, but uh, there's, yeah, there's a lot of dominoes still to fall um, in the quarterback position, but I, I was rather surprised by that. Uh, one more thing, Colby, uh, you know what, who I thought was most interesting that they got in the transfer portal in terms of potential coaching changes is Noah McKinney, offensive lineman from UNLV. Been a lot of rumors out there. You and I heard them about a month ago, frankly, about you know Marcus Arroyo potentially coming to town with his offensive line coach coming with. Um, this Noah McKinney kid redshirted at UNLV last year, but clearly would have a relationship with those two. Um, I thought that that raised my eyebrows a little bit. Did it did it raise yours at all? It did. This is where we try to connect dots, right? Sometimes the dots are there, sometimes they aren't, but we're trying to connect them. I There's one rumor, the, the Arroyo rumor, everyone's seen it on Twitter. We're not breaking news here. It's the rumor that we all kind of want to be true, right? He was really successful in his time in Stillwater. Uh, he, he's looking for a spot. We're hoping that he's coming to Stillwater. So that definitely, I, I perked up a little bit seeing that one. UNLV to Oklahoma State. Uh, I'm hoping that Noah McKinney is not the only individual headed from Las Vegas to Stillwater. Yeah, and I think more than just the frustrations with the offense last year, Marcus Arroyo elevated Oklahoma State's level of recruits big time in just a couple years. I mean, they weren't getting a Chuba Hubbard before Marcus Arroyo. I mean, he was legit high four-star, five-star, depending on places you looked, that was being recruited by the Oregons of the world. They just, they just don't recruit those type of players, usually, in a given cycle. And Arroyo did. And Justice Hill, who he landed out of Tulsa, was also a big-time get. But more than anything, Colby, just that's what would excite me. I think that's what more than X's and O's, that's what Mike Gunny needs on this staff. He needs more Marcus Arroyos to join the Casey Duns that he has to get dudes. So I, I do think that's interesting that McKinney, will that ultimately prove that Arroyo's coming? Not sure, but it remains to be seen. But that did raise my eyebrows. Uh, did I mention this podcast is sponsored by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop? I'm Rusty Colby. Uh, be sure to- <laughs> I'm a little rusty. It's the holiday season. I got presents on my mind. Uh, be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. We appreciate Chris's sponsoring the podcast as always. Without further ado, Colby, let's get to uh, bullets and BBs. I'll start. I got a bullet. And do you know who my bullet's going to, Colby? It is going to Bullet himself, the horse. Hey! I mean, how great are these recruiting commitment photos that OSU keeps putting out with dudes with cowboy hats on, riding atop Bullet himself? I mean, Bullet... Only gets love when OSU scores touchdowns. That's not enough use of his time. I love this. Credit to Bullet. Bullet gets a bullet on this show. I think that's the first time Bullet's gotten a bullet, Colby. I think it is, and that's a shame. Shame on us for not giving Bullet one sooner. Those horses put in work. Uh, so, yeah, that's a good one. I love that. I, I actually spoiled my bullet just a second ago. I got rolling talking about uh, defensive backs. I was going <laughs> to give my bullet to Trey Flowers. It's offseason. Dude picked off Tom Brady. Now, these days, a lot of teams are picking off Tom Brady. Uh, I actually 
tend to think that Tom Brady's still pretty good. Uh, he might be playing behind a worse offensive line right now than Spencer Sanders played behind. So that's a little bit of a, a problematic uh, deal for the Bucks. But Trey Flowers picking off Tom Brady, Carson, that was not on my bingo card whenever that kid was at Oklahoma State. He has really found his way in the NFL. Uh, they moved him out to corner at that level. He's tall. He's got the size. He's, he's clearly been coached up well. I'm blown away by how long he has stuck in the league and as a starter and as a playmaker. That Bengals defense, they're, they're not the 85 Bears. That's a good NFL defense, uh, and that's a nice little souvenir to put on, him shel- on his shelf. So a uh, guy like that, we talk about, you know, Jalen Warren, he gets a bullet as well, got his first NFL touchdown last week. But I feel like there's a lot of guys, previous Oklahoma State Cowboys, who get a lot of love and a lot of attention for what they do in the NFL. And Trey Flowers just kind of lines up at corner, does his job, and we don't talk about him much. He's been a really good player at that level, and that was a cool moment for him last week. Uh, Trey Flowers was a three-star safety coming out of high school. 63180? Tell me he was 63180 like this other kid I just mentioned. How about 63180 on the dot? Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. I have his profile pulled up right now from All Rivals. Right. Breaking here on the podcast, Taiwan Ray Jr. will be a <laughs> six year starter in the NFL. I mean, I'm not kidding. Trey Flowers on Rivals, 6'3, 180 pounds, class of 2013 out of Converse, Texas. Had offers from. Let's see here. Arizona State, Boise State, Brigham Young, Houston, to name a few. Uh, so that's incredible. I mean, he, had, he had a lot of offers, actually. Uh, Mississippi State, K-State, Iowa State, Memphis. Uh, so, yeah, maybe. I mean, clearly Oklahoma State knows what they're looking for at, at that position. And I, I do think, one last note before I get to BB's, I do think if coaching changes were going to be made, I kind of thought this early on that, they were going to wait till signing day. I mean, too many of these kids have forged relationships like a Zane Flores with a Tim Rattay, um, who I, I want to give a bullet to right now. I'll give another bullet. Uh, credit to Tim Rattay for hanging on to Zane Flores. It's not easy with Matt Rule, you know, subtweeting your, your 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 top quarterback pick that you've had committed for so long, being an in-state guy. Uh, credit to Tim Rattay for not only hanging on to Zane Flores, but they, they offered him and recruited him before his recruitment truly exploded i mean that that to me shows that they really have an eye for talent and tim Rattay does especially to to get in on him when they did and and mike gundy kept talking about so much about just how much zane has improved with his legs he, he mentioned that like ad nauseum during his press conference about how much he's evolved not only with his arm talent but his legs and the way he can run so it it appears he's way more of a dual threat than than perhaps maybe they thought when they initially offered him so that that's exciting and i'll give him a one more bullet before we get to BBs. Do you have your, you have another BB or, uh, or do you have another bullet or are you going to go straight to BBs? I do not have another bullet. Uh, you go first on BBs. I, I didn't have one prepped. I don't have one off the top of my head. So go ahead. Maybe I'll think of one. Yeah. BBs for me, just, I just, I don't, can I give one of the entire sport of college football? Like where, where are we at in society today for college Absolutely. football, BB? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can do that. Like this is the world we live in now. You got this Peyton Bowen kid. Who had, who had visited Oregon one time, he had visited Oklahoma and Notre Dame 12 to 15 times. He picks Oregon because clearly they had offered the most money. Now he's apparently just in the last hour flipped back to Oklahoma. And you got these people making like million-dollar offers. I, I, don't, I don't think they're making multi-million-dollar offers. I just I refuse to believe that for kids that have never done anything on the field. But just this is where we're, we're at now in football. It's just you don't go to – the position coach you want to play for, the school you want to attend, 
none of that matters anymore. It's just the highest bidder. And I don't blame these kids at all. I just, this is not what NIL was created for. I do think they should profit off their name, image, and likeness. But this is like, this is like Barry Switzer's Wild West going on in college football. It's just, let's, who, it's like the SEC, uh, what was that documentary they had on the 30 for 30? It's just, it's like the, the pony excess when SMU was just giving guys trans ams. And that's just, that's just not what the sport is. And it's just, I don't know. I think the sport's become more corrupt than it's ever been. And that is quite a statement to make about the sport of college football. No, you're absolutely right. The, the Peyton Bowen deal was wild. Obviously, if you're Notre Dame, Oregon, or Oklahoma, you want to win that battle. You want to get that kid. And it looks like Oklahoma's going to get him. Uh, is he signed or is he committed to Oklahoma? He's signed. It's official. Signed. All right. It is official. So good for OU for winning that recruiting battle. It's one of those things, though, where Peyton Bowen now, if I'm an OU fan, I'm cautiously excited that we landed Peyton Bowen, if I'm an OU fan, because great. I mean, what are we putting the over-under on, on on how long he's going to be in Norman? This is clearly a decision that he wasn't really certain about. I don't know. It's just a lot more wishy-washy stuff going on, and I get it. This is your future. You want to make the right decision. But Carson, he, I mean, he put the Oregon hat on yesterday never signed flipped to OU the next day. It's, it's insane what's going on. And I think I mentioned this a couple of months ago. This is my biggest beef with NIL, my biggest beef with college athletics. And it, it comes down to the NCAA for me. It always does. NIL, basically what everyone was clamoring for, for college football to be changed was the players are making these universities and the NCAA so much money. They have to get a cut. And Carson, who is still set to make the most money out of all this? It's the corrupt, crooked NCAA. I've got a guy in a group text that I'm in uh, joking around. He's like, yeah, I gave $20 to the OUNIL collective uh, so I can say we whenever we land Peyton Bowen now. It's it's not supposed to be regular Joes who have to buy Christmas presents for their kids and put food on the table, all donating $20 to an NIL collective. That's not what this was supposed to be. We just wanted college athletes to get a piece of the pie, especially the football players. But this isn't the same pie. What the NCAA said and what, what the courts have said is name, image, likeness. So now this pie over here that we had before, where all these people were making money off the backs of the athletes, that's still the same pie. What we've done is bake a completely different pie and we've made everyone else provide the ingredients for it so that we can give these players a bunch of money. I, I said it a few weeks ago, college football was broken the way it was. College football is broken the way it is. I, I just, I don't know what the solution is, but man, this is not what it was supposed to be where all this money's rolling in and the athletes need a, 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 a cut this is just random NIL collectives and big billionaire boosters. And um, it's, I, I don't know what college football looks like in five years, 10 years, 20 years, but I hope that there is some sort of, um, it, it just needs to be reined in and there need to be rules. I want the athletes to get their piece of the pie. That's what I want, but I don't want there to be so many pies in the oven uh, that we don't know who's going where, who's getting what. I also think that there's a certain level of protection uh, that high school kids would be afforded by more transparency in these things because 
I guarantee there are universities who have given money to kids and then the kids don't come. I bet that there are also kids who've been promised money at universities and they go, and then that money's not there. So I think there needs to be more transparency. uh, And I think that we eventually in college football need to end up in a system where college athletes, football players specifically are getting a piece of the revenue that they're creating as opposed to just all these NILs with your average Joe's uh, chipping in 20 or $50 at a time. Yeah, I, I'm with you. The, your pie, you come up with the most random analogies that just work. <laughs> I love it. Um, that that worked for me. And yeah, it's just, just you know, like Coach Prime up in Colorado. Like, it's just this. This is what the sport is now. It's just like, uh, it's just I I can't stand it. Carson, but. it's gotten to the point where 10, 15 years ago, I loved college football, and now it's to the point where I love. Oklahoma State. The other stuff, it doesn't do a lot for me. Like in a couple of weeks, few weeks, Georgia's going to win another national title. But what is that accomplishment in modern college football? It, does that just mean that you have the most money and you could just, you know, corral all the talent? It's, it's just weird to me how we're measuring success in college football because. There is no even playing field. There is no transparency. So for me, I love Oklahoma State. I pay attention to everything Oklahoma State does. I pay attention to what happens in the Big 12 because that impacts Oklahoma State. I really do not care what, what Georgia's doing and what Alabama's doing. And those. I don't care because it's, it's a different game. It's a different sport. It's just, I don't know. College football just feels very watered down to me where I think more people and more, more fans are going to start continuing to love their team. But I think the love for college football as a whole is going to fade a little bit. It, it has for me uh, that that has not extended to Oklahoma State. I'm I'm bleed as orange as hard as I ever have. But my overall love of college football, it's dwindled over the past couple of years. I, I got to be honest about that. This has been uh, this week's edition of Get Off My Lawn featuring Colby Powell and Carson Cunningham. Uh, oh, we're the old guys now. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> no, I'm I'm with you and. Yeah, I mean, Georgia's going to win a national title, and we'll shrug our shoulders, and we'll we'll move on to next year and start complaining about when Mike Gundy punts on fourth and two. So it's just it's just it's a time is a flat circle, you know. So and and yet we do love it. I mean, deep down, I do love it. The the punting on fourth and two and complaining about it, and then the time he goes for it and you get it, we love it. Yeah, and I what I also love is that we don't have to deal with Oklahoma and Texas anymore. Oklahoma apparently signed their their best defensive class in 15 years with the addition of Peyton Bowen. So, good riddance. Yeah, no more me sitting in the cold in Norman while Mike Gundy punts on fourth and two from OU side of the field. So, don't have to deal with that anymore. Oh, it all uh, comes back to the fourth and short punts always. Always, but uh, no. Again, I think Mike Gundy did a, a fantastic job in the transfer portal, much better than I ever dreamed he would based on his comments. Uh. Decent recruiting class should be better, but more the same. I'm just glad Colby that he he has adapted to the times. He he did really well in the transfer portal to shore up some just glaring needs. Uh, I'm still curious about quarterback though. Again, Spencer Sanders hasn't decided where he's going. Uh, I know Wisconsin got the commitment from Nick Evers from Oklahoma, so I think all signs Colby at this point pro- point to Brennan Armstrong from Virginia, but we'll have to wait and see. I, maybe this is a hot take. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I don't think Oklahoma state next season is winning a big 12 championship. I, I don't see it. I'd kind of rather ride Rangel out and see what he's got. than bring the Armstrong kid in from Virginia. I mean, as veteran depth, maybe, but I don't know that Armstrong wants to be veteran depth. I think he wants to be a starter kind of seen his numbers at Virginia. I watched some of his highlights last week. 
he looks like a fine quarterback, but a fine quarterback. I don't know. I, I think Rangel give him two years. Maybe he turns out to be a really good quarterback. Maybe he doesn't, but I personally, I would rather see Brennan Garrett Rangel run out there next year than Brennan Armstrong. You know, I, I have to ponder that. I, my first instance was to say no, but the more you talked about, I, I liked what I saw from Rangel, but we'll have to, We'll have to wait and see. I I do wonder if Flores would would like to see Rangel. Zane Flores would like to see Rangel for the next two three years himself. But good question. Who knows? That's just kind of the way the world we live in now. If you're not starting, you're transferring. So yeah. we'll see. I feel like the idea of developing a young guy because I still think that his ceiling is unknown. I think Brendan Armstrong's ceiling is fairly known. I think he could be a good college quarterback. Now Garrett Rangel's ceiling? Who knows? Who knows? So I I'll take the risk uh, on the younger guy developing him, and hopefully he turns into a. Yep. Hopefully the offensive line stays healthy. That's what uh, we're going to be rooting for next year, just like the last seven, eight years. So yeah, we'll, we'll Col- recycle that take. Hopefully yeah, the we'll, line stays healthy. We will. Uh, Colby, let's, we'll get back together before the um, the bowl game. We'll break down Oklahoma State against Wisconsin. It's going to be a weird, weird game. Both teams missing not only players, but also their, their past head coach. I guess Luke Fickle will coach the game, which is also just adds to the weirdness of the bowl game. But Colby, good to be back with you. Glad your whiplash is worn off, and uh, good to be uh, doing the pod with you again. Yeah, absolutely. Next week will be a big week. Bowl game on Tuesday, and then conference play. Basketball at Kansas. What a way to just dive into conference play, Carson. Why don't we just throw them into the deep end? Yeah, hopefully the NCAA will sit front row and, and get to watch what they've created with letting Kansas off the hook and just dropping the absolute hammer on Oklahoma State. Again, That, that every decision since has made less and less sense. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Great stuff. Uh, Appreciate Marshall for filling in last week. Everybody be safe in this weather. Be safe on the roads. A lot of people are going to be traveling this weekend. Everybody get to and from uh, wherever you're headed this weekend uh, with safety. Merry Christmas to all those who celebrate. Happy holidays uh, to everyone. Thanks for listening once again. Go Pokes.